Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. Mariotto is a journalist who lives down in Washington, D.C., and she followed a story uh, that just helped land her in the topic of oral health, which is where, where we come in. And she embarked on this journey and just let the story unfold. And as a result of her efforts, a lot of progress was made in the area of oral health in underserved populations. And I know that you're required to read this book in your community health class. I really hope that hearing Mary's voice and hearing her story creates a little bit of a deeper connection to you as far as how this whole book came to life and how it came to be. It's a, it's a real story about a real family and a real situation. And it charges us with asking a lot more questions of ourselves in our profession. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy it and you are as impacted as I was when I spoke with her. I have the pleasure of speaking with Mary Otto today. Mary is just one of my favorite, most inspiring public health dental folks that I've come across in recent years. Uh, many of you know Mary as the writer of the most amazing book, Teeth, and it's my pleasure to have her on the podcast. Mary is taking the time out of her busy life to speak with us about her journey and the hard work that went into developing that book and what caused her to focus on oral health and, and what drove her to write this book. So welcome, Mary. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, Billy, it's an honor to be with you today and a pleasure and have a chance to talk with you and, and, and through you to your students and your community there in that beautiful place. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, we shared a couple snowstorm photos uh, <laughs> after our last meeting oh. and Mary's missing the snowflakes for those of you <laughs> who enjoy winter. <laughs> I know it takes extra extra courage to get out there in this in this kind of weather so I even more awe of you than at any other time of year <laughs> and you're located in is it Virginia Mary I live right in Washington DC yeah right, not a right lot of snowflakes capital city we haven't had even as much as usual but unlike y'all people just they just they just can't handle it here they Every snowstorm is this completely new, shocking development for people here. So, <laughs> so we should take a page from your book and kind of put it into our, our skill set at some point. It's all perspectives. <laughs> it really is. Your surroundings, right? <laughs> Just one more reminder. It is all perspective. It really is. So tell our students, because you are not a dental hygienist and you are not a dental professional, but uh, you're you would not know that from your passionate writing in your book. Well, most of what I learned and know today, I so much of it is from dental hygienists. Dental hygienists are the best educators you could possibly have, you know, and so many of them were patient enough to talk with me along my way of, of 
trying to put this story together. Um, the unique skills that hygienists bring to this, the world of oral health are just, are just so precious because dental hygienists, they navigate for patients, they help them translate, you know, their, their health issues. And they're often their concerns and fear. I mean, I thought I was the only one who was afraid of going to the dentist, but no, it's very, it's very, very, very common. I learned and there's a lot of stigma and shame. This completely unfair uh, burden of, of shame that goes along with oral disease. People tend to blame themselves and so much can happen when, with that, when the dental hygienist meets the patient and, and can t just talk with them about health and wellness and setting goals for, for taking care of oneself and, and just dispel so much of that worry and concern that patients have. And it also can prevent people from actually seeking out care when they need it. You know, it's like, oh, just one of those things that goes to the back of the list because they're afraid and worried. So yeah, you can open the door in ways that other, and other healthcare providers can't, you know? Yeah, that is so true. I mean, that is the, the heartbeat of the profession is yeah. to educate, to lift up, to yes. raise awareness, to yes. increase the knowledge. Yes. And, and in a passionate way, we mm. are the prevention specialists of the, yes. of the universe, right? Yes. And empowering patients, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you can do this. You've got the tools. We can, I can help you, you know, take you, a, let's go on this journey with us, you know, and help, help under, people understand what, what oral health is and how they can, you know, kind of get some of that for themselves. You know, it's, it's sure. so empowering. Yeah. For sure. I love that you get it right. You, most, <laughs> most people, when you say dental hygienist, they don't, they don't say all the things that you just said. Although if you ask a hygienist, that's what we would say. Mm -hmm. So how did you get involved in all of this? Well, you know, I, it was one of those strange accidents, you know, journalists, you know, you go out to different things every, typically every day, you know, and I've been a journalist for, you know, decades and covered all kinds of things, you know, from, you know, house fires and car accidents to, you know, housing issues, you know, law passages of laws, debates over policies. And I was working at the Washington Post uh, in 2007, covering social issues for the Metro Desk, which is, you know, the de the you know the bureau that served our local communities in Washington, Maryland, and Virginia. A lot of you know, a lot of my work focused on poverty issues, yeah. housing shortages, you know, debates about preserving affordable housing, homelessness. And, you know, I, I got to know advocates and activists and grassroots organizations that worked in these same areas that I was covering. They, people would often show up at meetings, court hearings. And over the years, I got to know, you know, a good network of folks who were concerned with these issues and got to know the issues pretty well. And through that kind of community, I, I met a, an advocate for... Um, homeless issues named Lori Norris. She's a lawyer. She worked at a nonprofit organization in Baltimore. And she, I got to know her through a particularly interesting case she was working on that had to do with a homeless family who was 
fighting these children, this young teenager actually learned about the Stuart B. McKinney Act that allowed homeless children to stay in their school if they lost their home, you know, so it wasn't like uprooting these children from from a, a school that they knew because their family had lost housing. This is a long story short. That's how I got to know Lori Norris. She successfully represented these children and allowed and got them to stay in their high school and and I stayed in touch with her over the years and uh, you know she worked on interesting cases and I got a call from her one day that said you know I got another I got I'm working on this with this family now it's like I got to know them through a school registration calls I was making but they're, they're having trouble with dental care and I started got in touch with Mrs. Driver Diamante's mom and at that point as it turned out I went to the children's hospital where Diamante was fighting for his life and turned out his younger brother had actually been trying to find dental care she Mrs. Driver had actually been trying to find dental care for her Diamante's younger brother who was complaining about his teeth they're living in this you know working working poor community not too far from the U.S. Capitol but over the border in Maryland and Mrs. Driver had called this all these names on this list of dental dentists who were supposed to be providing care to Medicaid families kids in that community and the, some of the phone numbers didn't work you know some of the dentists weren't taking any new patients but she'd been struggling to find care for her for her, for her family when Diamante came home from school one day with his headache and he was not feeling well at all. And his grandmother, who was worried about him, took him to a little community hospital. And there he was diagnosed with this sinus infection and a dental abscess. And he got some medicine and he went home, but he got much worse. And like four days later, Mrs. Driver was so worried about him, she took him to a larger county hospital. And there he was given a spinal tap and doctors realized that he had a brain infection. This dental abscess had spread to his brain. And he was at this point fighting for his life. And he was rushed to Children's Hospital here in Washington, which is this, you know, great beacon of hope for children, you know. And there he'd get, received two brain surgeries, had this infected tooth extracted finally, and he was still fighting for his life when I met him and his worried mom, you know, sitting by his bedside. And, you know, I started working on this story and so many pieces fell into places. You know, I continued to stay in touch with the drivers and work on this story. It turned out Diamante was not alone. These, the driver children were not alone in being able to, unable to find dental care. It was a terrible problem across the state of Maryland and across our region and it's turned out across the country you know in Maryland alone hundreds of thousands of poor children who were entitled to dental care under Medicaid were not receiving care uh, and there was a shortage of dentists to see them and just a terrible crisis and I worked on the story and turned it in and it sat on my editor's desk for a little while I got to be honest with you Dentistry is not always the top concern, even of newspaper editors, you know, let alone of other people. But <laughs> it's one of those silent epidemics, as Dr. David Satcher said in his, sure. you know, Oral Health in America. There's still this kind of thing. It's like, well, why didn't they go to the dentist, you know? And 
people who have sort of a ability to make appointments and keep appointments and go get the things they need and take an hour off of work to run. They don't understand, you know, whether it's a lawmaker or a newspaper editor or, you know, they just don't get it. You know, it's like, oh, you know, they, they don't get it. So anyway, I stayed in touch with the drivers and Diamante was moved to another hospital or rehabilitative hospital and his teachers were bringing him his papers to help him stay up, stay on top of his work, but he wasn't getting better. In fact, as you know, if you read the book, he he died. Mm -hmm. And I get this call from my editor one night, we're going to use that Dell story tomorrow. I said, well, let me check with his mom. I got to make sure he's doing okay. And it turned out he had died a couple of days before. Hmm. I said, I called my editor back. I said, the child died. We've got to rework that story, you know. So, you know, the story appeared and it turned out, it's like one of those odd things. It turned out that it was just this moment in time when there was this opportunity for this horrible tragedy to reach people who are ready to not only grasp it, but to do something with it. It was right at that very moment that these oral health advocates, they had been fighting for 10 years to get oral health benefits included into this another program like Medicaid, but for children of just a little higher income level, it's called the State Children's Health Insurance Program, SCHIP at that time. Mm -hmm. It's 10 years old. It was getting ready to be reauthorized. And like so many other big federal health care programs, dental benefits had been treated like kind of a fringe benefit or an add-on. And the kids, like 7 million kids at that time, we're not guaranteed a dental benefit along with the full range of other healthcare benefits that this program conferred. And these advocates were getting ready to meet with their congressmen when this story ran in the Washington Post. And it turned out one of the leaders who'd been do- fighting for this dental benefit for 10 years, he'd flown from New York to Washington to meet his law, his, his congressman and he was stopped to get his shoe shined on his way to Capitol Hill. So he looked his very best. Right. And he picked up this newspaper in the newsstand while he was getting his shoe shined. And there was a story of Diamante in his picture. You know, and he said, oh, my heavens, you know. And he brought this with him to the to his, you know, congressman's office. And the congressman got it. And we, they decided to have, you know, highlight this death of this child in their hearings and they had lots of hearings. It's like, what is going on? Why is, why is a wealthy state of Maryland and other states across the country not giving the dental benefits to poor kids who they're, they're entitled to by law, you know? And they got federal officials to come and testify about why they were leaving this out and state officials come to say, why aren't you, why aren't you stepping up to the plate? And some of them had successful, you know, approaches to this to this challenge and talked about it and in the state of Maryland the brand new governor held up the newspaper in his cabinet meeting said what are we going to do about this we cannot ever let this happen again we've got to reform this system 
and he put a dental hygienist in charge of the reforms. (laughs) Jane Casper would get it, you know, just like she's so practical. She, you know, anyway, and on the local level, dentists were so mortified. African-American dentists, the chapter of the National Dental Association, got up, started raising money to put a mobile clinic on the, on the road and go to, some, to go to these, make rounds of these Title I schools in Prince George's County where Diamante lived just to say, hey, school nurses, local dentists, children's advocates, principals, we've all got to be on, be on the same page with this. You know, these kids cannot suffer like this anymore. So actions were actually taken, you know, yeah. And there have been so many other deaths and so much suffering has gone under the radar screen. But this one tragic story, it, it, took, it took on a life of its own, you know? I mean, yeah. Mary, when I, read, when I read the story, my one thing that came in my mind was, what can I do better? Mm-hmm. What can I do more of? And how can I be part of the change that needs to take place mm-hmm. in oral health across the country. And it's, it's really, we need to shift our brains to prevention because prevention is sustainable mm-hmm. and achievable if we can do that yes. and find ways to support the dentists so that they can figure out what their role is because mm-hmm. the hygienists are the ones that are going to lead the charge, right? They are. Oh, but the, Book, I, I I hate that the book is a tragic story, and I can't even imagine what that family went through. Ugh, yeah. But I do think it 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 highlights something that needed to be said, mm-hmm. and I hope that every student who listens thinks to themselves, "What can I do? Mm-hmm. How can I be part of <laughs> of putting oral health and prevention at the center moving forward?" I really do. Well, the skills that you all are are kindling and nurturing there are all so key to all this. I mean, you know, it's like Jane Casper. I got to know her pretty well. She was the head of this dental action committee that the governor, you know, appointed to come up with solutions in Maryland. And, and it turned out, you know, the dental hygienists in the state had been struggling for years to be allowed to go out into schools and other public health settings. And, you know, they could see a whole classroom full of, of students and, you know, an hour, half an hour, an hour, screen them, you know, provide fluoride varnishes and sealants in a timely manner to protect those newly emerged molars, you know, I mean, if, some, if, if Diamante had had one of those sealants, he'd probably be, you know, caught alive today with his own family, for heaven's sake, you know. Yeah. But they could do that. And they finally got a breakthrough with this tragedy. It became one of the solutions that the state of Maryland decided to embrace and implement was allow hygienists with public health, you know, certificates to go out into these public health, you know, schools, WIC centers, you know, where families come to pick up their food, you know, say, you know, hey, there's that little baby. Do you have a, you have, has he seen a dentist? You know, you want, can I look in his mouth, you know? Yeah. Give a little health message, you know, about, you know, don't put the baby to bed with anything but water in that bottle, you know, just, just let's help you, you know, encouragement, you know, 
all that stuff, you know, yeah, it breaks down the barriers, right? So some breaks down the barriers. Yeah. They can't take time off from work. They can't oh, yeah. take, you know, they can't get their car mm-hmm. to the facility. You know, mm-hmm. I love the, the wick and the yeah. mobile van ideas. Yeah. It really kind of, it, it's more of an exponential impact that you can yes. just go right where the kids are. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I love I love Bring it out there to, you know, to where, to where the patients are, you know? Yes. I think about the, uh, the mobile blood vans where mm-hmm. you maybe didn't have the intention when you wake up in the morning to donate blood, but then you see the van and you're like, Oh, I have some time, you know? Yes. And sometimes it's just putting something in the, in the community yes. that opens up the yes. opportunity to, to reach more people. That's right. That's right. You know, that little health fair, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's going to become more and more, all these possibilities have opened up. I mean, the pandemic has even taught us some, you know, new lessons, but you know, with the mobile, I was just amazed that even in the time I was working on the book, how, more portable the equipment became and the intraoral cameras and you know less less expensive easier to handle you know it allows hygienists to go out you know it's like take an x-ray call the dentist back in the office say doc what do you think you know just just kind of make it more more of a a, it's just untethers the care you know from these brick and mortar institutions that can often be very hard to reach for people in these in these high underserved communities you know yeah I do think we're making progress in the conversations and Mm -hmm. I think I I really don't think there's anyone that goes into the field of dentistry that doesn't want to offer their heart to the people around them in their in the communities where they live Mm -hmm. Um, some of us just don't know how right and so I think the, uh, like you said, the pandemic that opened up our opportunity to think about what does teledentistry do and, mm-hmm. and how can we, you know, maybe do screenings to people remotely and then get them the care that they yes. need in, in a more expensive environment, like a dental chair, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so many possibilities, but we just need to rethink and yeah. have a little shift in yes. how we're doing things. And I think your book was kind of like the the torch, <laughs> the torch that lit the conversation for everyone. Oh, well, I'm so grateful it helped. You just never know, you know. It's true, Mary. It's true. Well, I love that you kind of were cover. You were kind of in the in the sinkhole of all of these different <laughs> uh, conversations, and you went into all these different stories. I mean, you were you were kind of covering a whole bunch of stuff, and maybe there was a reason why you ended in dental, right? You ended up on a story in dental um, uh, inadvertently, but definitely the universe had a had a purpose for you to do that. Well, I, I think the universe has a purpose for all of us, you know, and it's sure. just a matter of just trying to sort of say, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> and trying to just take it one day at a time, one step at a time, you know, and yeah. because you can, I got, I got discouraged at times, you know, it's literally the book came out like 10 years, almost to the day from the day that Diamante died. And you know, there were setbacks along the way. And lots of times when I thought, this is crazy, I'm the worst person in the world to be working on this, you know, but it, it did happen. And 
unexpected helpers came along too, you yeah, know? For sure. And that's the thing you have to keep open to, you know, just keep trying, keep making, you know, just keep trying, even if it's just a little bit every day, you know, to keep working. And I know you guys have your own goals and dreams to, you know, that probably apply the same, the same, the same methods could apply, you know? Yeah. I, what did you, have you spoke with his mom or kept in touch with his mom? Yeah, I have. Yeah. What did she think about your book? I think, you know, I think, you know, I think any book about your, you know, that concerns something so personal to you has got to be a real challenge to read, but she's, she's very, very kind and accepting and came along on a, even a couple of, of book, book events where, you know, right back at University of Maryland, where so much of it happened, she came and, Actually, I got three copies of the book when it first came out. You know, the very first time I ever laid eyes on it, I got two more copies and I wrapped them up for Mrs. Driver and Lori Norris, that that advocate who was helping her and has stayed, continued to stay very involved in in that family's life. And we met at IHOP and had breakfast together and, and I gave them the books and, you know, I think if I ever saw her, not that I would know, I would want her to know that her story has inspired the whole entire group of dental people across the country. It really has. There isn't a hygienist out there that doesn't have their heart skip a beat when Mm. we talk about your book. Well, I was going to get, going to write her a note actually today. For some reason, her, I sent her a Christmas card and it came back to me like they got undelivered, you know, it was undelivered. So I'm going to send her a note and say, I'm sorry, my Christmas, you didn't get my Christmas card, but I'm thinking of you and I'll tell her you said that. I will put that in there, you know, so that you remain, I'll tell her she remains an inspiration to so many people who are making such a difference. She does. Well, because once you become a mom, Mm. you can't imagine life with, you know, life any other way with uh, anything Mm. happening ever to your children. So that's right. I think the the best thing we could do for her is to it, it could never take away her pain or her loss, but we could certainly say we're doing everything we can. We're doing everything we can, and we are fighting for the future of oral health for kids and underserved populations across the country because this is the United States of America, and we need to have mm-hmm. a, a, a better track record for sure. I'm writing this down. I'm going to send it right to her. Well, Mary, you continue to inspire the Mm. public health initiatives across this country and all of the advocacy that we all work towards for oral health and to better all the small communities, all the big communities out there. And I think dental hygienists are definitely charged with saying, okay, what can we do? What more can we do? How can we uh, educate, increase knowledge, create more prevention and access for people. Mm. That's what we're charged with doing. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, so glad to think of you all out there making such a difference. Absolutely. And, and now we're charged with getting the next generation to, you know, we're passing the torch to them and 
all the students I work with, they are so uh, passionate. Their hearts are full with possibility <laughs> of, of how they will leave their impact on the world. And so I love that we have them read your book. Mm -hmm. uh, it really gives them an, uh, an eye on the public health section. And before they even graduate, they get to see what they're up against and, and, and what they're charged with yeah. and what's coming their way. But it also lets them see the opportunities yes. that are there for them to use their skills yes. to really maximize their impact that they mm -hmm. can have on the world around them. Which is such a great way to live, you know, to, yes. to know you're, you, every day you are going to make a difference, you know? Yeah. Well, it's true. It's the be, do, have, right? If you, you be the person that you inspire to be and then do the things that you're charged to do, that you're mm -hmm. capable of doing, and then you will have the life that you, that you wanted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I say to my students. I want them oh. to, to be that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think your book challenges them to do just that. It's great, Mary. Oh. You are a gift to the field of dentistry <laughs> oh. to exposing a really hard story. Oh. That must yeah. have been a hard journey, but for generations, because now it's in print, right? It never goes away once it's there. Yeah. It will leave a mark. It will leave a mark. What can we do better? Mm. Well, it sounds like you are, you are fine, exp living, you, what they say, the answer is living the question. I, you know, it sounds like you are living it in such an earnest and skilled way. You know, it just, it's oh, stunning. Just trying to be better than I was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. That's all we can do. <laughs> all we can do. Well, it's a pleasure, Mary. And oh. thank you for sharing your story with our oh. students. Such a joy, Billy. Thank you. Thank you so much. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.